part one chapter eleven of the magnificent adventure this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the magnificent adventure by emerson hawk the taming of patrick bass shannon go get the men it was midnight for more than an hour meriwether lewis had sat his head drooped in silence we are going to start shannon's face lightened eagerly we'll be off at sun-up before that get the men we'll start now i'll meet you at the wharf eager enough shannon hastened away on his midnight errand within an hour every man of the little party was at the waterfront ready for departure they found their leader walking up and down his head bent his hands behind him it was short work enough the completion of such plans as remained unfinished the great keelboat lay completed and equipped at the wharf the men lost little time in stowing such casks and bales as remained unshipped shannon stepped to his chief all's aboard sir said he shall we cast off without a word lewis nodded and made his way to his place in the boat in the darkness without a shout or a cheer to mark its passing the expedition was launched on its long journey slowly the boat passed along the waterfront of pittsburgh town here rose gauntly in the glare of torch or campfire the mast of some half-built schooner houseboats were drawn up or anchored along shore long pirogues lay moored or beached or now and again a giant broadhorn already partially loaded with household goods common carrier for that human flood passing down the great waterway stood out blacker than the shadows in which it lay here and there campfires flickered each the centre of a ribald group of the hardy rivermen through the night came sounds of roistering songs shouts a rusted pent dammed up the lusty life of that great waterway leading into the west and south scarce took time for sleep the boat slipped on down now crossing a shaft of light flung on the water from some lamp or fire now blending with the ghost-like shadows which lay in the moonless night it passed out of the town itself and edged into the shade of the forest that swept continuously for so many leagues on ahead hello there called a voice through the darkness after a time who goes there the splash of a sweep had attracted the attention of someone on shore the light of a campfire showed every one in the boat looked at the leader but none vouchsafed a reply to the hail ahoy there the boat insisted the same voice shall i fire on yez to make yez answer a civil question come ashore wance i can lick the best of yez in three minutes or me name's not patrick gas the captain of the boat turned slowly in his seat casting a glance over his silent crew set in said he sharply and shortly without a word they obeyed and with oar and steering sweep the great craft slowly swung inshore lewis stepped from the boat and not waiting to see whether he was followed as he was by all of his men strode up on the bank into the circle of light made by the campfire about the fire lay a dozen or more men of the hardest of the river type which was saying quite enough for of all the lawless and desperate characters of the frontier none have ever surpassed in reckless audacity and truculence the men of the old boat trade of the ohio and the mississippi these fellows lay idly looking at lewis as he entered the light not troubling to accost him who hailed us demanded the latter shortly begorra twas me said a short strongly built man stepping forward from the other side of the fire clad in loose shirt and trousers like most of his comrades he showed a powerful man a shock of reddish hair falling over his eyes a bull-like neck rising above his open shirt in such fashion that the size of his shoulder muscles might easily be seen twas me hailed yes and what of it 
that is what i came ashore to learn said meriwether lewis we are about our business what concern is that of yours i am here to learn yes can learn if you're so anxious replied the other tis me have got three drinks of monongaholly in me that says i can whip you or any man of your boat and if that ain't cause for you to come ashore tis no fightin man ye are and i'll say that to your face it was the accepted fashion of challenge known everywhere along two thousand miles of waterway at that time in a country where physical prowess and readiness to fight were the sole tests of distinction woe to the man who evaded such an issue once it was offered to him the speaker had stepped close to lewis so close that the latter did not need to advance a foot instead he held his ground and the challenger accepting this as a sign of willingness for battle rushed at him with the evident intent of a rough-and-tumble grapple after the fashion of his kind to his surprise he was held off by the levelled forearm of his opponent rigid as a bar against his throat at this rebuff he roared like a bull and breaking back rushed in once more his giant arms flailing lewis swung back half a step and then so quickly that none saw the blow but only its result was visible he shifted on his feet leaned into his thrust and smote the joyous challenger so fell a stroke in the throat as laid him quivering and helpless the brief fight was ended all too soon to suit the wishes of the spectators used to more prolonged and bloodier encounters a sort of gasp a half roar of surprise and anger came from the group upon the ground some of the party rose to their feet menacingly they met the silent front of the boat party the clicking of whose well-oiled rifle locks offered the most serious of warnings the sudden appearance of these visitors so silent and so prompt the swift act of their leader without threat without warning the instant readiness of the others to back their leader's initiative caught every one of these rude fighting men in the sudden grip of surprise they hesitated i am no fighting man said meriwether lewis turning to them yet neither may i be insulted by any lout who chooses to call me ashore to thrash him do you think that an officer of the army has no better business than that who are you that would stop us the group fell back muttering lacking concerted action what might have occurred in case they had reached their arms was prevented by the action of the party of the first part in this rencontre of the second part perhaps he might better have been called the fallen warrior sat up rubbing his throat he struggled to his knees and at length stood there was something of rude river chivalry about him after all an officer did ye say said he oh wurra what have i done now and me a soldier but ye done it fair and ye never once gouged me nor jumped on me when i was down but gora i felt both me eyes to see if they was in ye done it fair and ye're an officer and a gentleman whoever ye be i'd like to shake hands with ye i am not shaking hands with ruffians who insult travellers captain lewis sternly rejoined but he saw the crestfallen look which swept over the strong face of the other there man said he since you seem to mean well he shook hands with his opponent who stung by the rebuke now began to sniffle sore said he i have no ruffian i am a soldier meself and on me way to join me company at kaskaski down below me time was out a while back and i came east to the states to have a bit of a fling before i enlisted again now what money i haven't give to me parents i've spent like a man i have had me fling for a while and now i'm going back to sign on again sore i am a sergeant and a good one though i do say it me record is clean i am patrick gass first sergeant of the tenth dragoons the same now stationed at kaskaski though ye are not in uniform i know well enough ye are an officer sore i ask your pardon it was only the whisky made me feel sportin like at the time do you mind gass patrick gass you said yes sore of the tenth bar me love for fightin i am a good soldier there are stripes on me sleeves be rights 
but me old coat's hanging in the barracks down below. Lewis stood looking curiously at the man before him, the power of whose grip he had felt in his own. He cast an eye over his erect figure, his easy and natural dropping into the position of a soldier. You say the tenth, said he briefly. You have been with the colors. Look here, my man, do you want to serve? I am going right back to Keskaski for it, sir. Why not enlist with us? I need men. We are off for the west, up the Missouri, for a long trip, like enough. You seem a well-built man, and you have seen service. I know men when I see them. I want men of courage and good temper. Will you go? I could not say, sir. I would have to ask leave at Kiskaski. I gave me word I'd come back after it had me fling here in the east, you see. I'll take care of that. I have full authority to recruit among enlisted men. Excuse me, sir, you say ye are going up the Missouri? Then I know yes. Yes, are the Captain Lewis that has been building the big boat the last two months up at the yards. Captain Lewis from Washington. Yes, and from the Ohio country before then, and Kentucky, too. I am to join Captain Clark at the Point of Rocks on the Ohio. I need another oar. Come, my man, we are on our way. Two minutes ought to be enough for you to decide. I'll need not the half of two, rejoined Patrick Gass promptly. Give me leave of my captain, and I am with yes. There's nothing in the world I'd leave or see than the Great Plains and the Buffalo. Tis fond of travel I am, and I'd like to see the end of the world before I die. You'll come as near seeing the end of it with us as anywhere else I know, rejoined Lewis quietly. Get your war bag and come aboard. In this curious fashion, Patrick Gass of the Army, later one of the journalists of the expedition and always one of its most faithful and efficient members, signed his name on the rolls of the Lewis and Clark expedition. There was not one of the frontiersmen in the boat who had any comment to make upon any phase of the transaction. Indeed, it seemed much in the day's work to them. But from that instant, every man in the boat knew he had a leader who could be depended upon for prompt and efficient action in any emergency. And from that moment also, their leader knew he could depend on his men. I have nothing to complain of, said Patrick Gass, addressing his new friends impartially, as he shifted his belongings to suit him and took his place in a rowing seat. I have nothing to complain of. I've been staying. I would like to have one more rail fight before I enlisted. The army is too tame for a fellow of rail spirit. None of them at the camp yonder, where I was two days, would take it on with me after the first day. I was fair longing for something to interest me, and be jabbers, I found it. Now I am contented to end me vacation and come back to the monotony of business life. The boat advanced steadily enough thereafter through the night. They pulled ashore at dawn, and after the fashion of experienced travelers, were soon about the business of the morning meal. The leader of the party drew apart for the morning plunge, which was his custom. Cover lacking on the bare bar where they had landed, he was not fully out of sight. When at length, freshened by his plunge, he stood drying himself for dressing. Unconsciously, his arm extended. He looked for all the world the very statue of the young Apoxiomenos of the Vatican, the finest figure of a man that the art of antiquity has handed down to us. As that smiling youth out of the past stood, scraper in hand, drying himself after the games, so now stood this young American, type of a new race, splendid as the Greeks themselves in the immortal beauty of life. His white body shining in the sun, every rolling muscle plainly visible, even that rare muscle over the hip beloved of the ancients, but now forgotten of sculptors, because rarely seen on a man today. So calmly was he, so like a god in his clean youth, that Patrick Gass, unhappered by backwardness himself, turned to his new companions, whom already he addressed each by his first name. George, said he to young Shannon, George, saw ye ever the like of yon? What a man! If I had known he could strip like yon, never would I have taken the chance I did last night. His wonder he didn't kill me, in which case I'd never have had me job. The Lord loves us Irish, any way you fix it. 
End of part one, chapter 11.